Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where this, our community of Kensington Unitarians, gathers each Sunday morning for worship, as well as for other assorted activities during the week. The sun is shining. The rains have stopped, at least for a while. The winds are no longer blowing. And so far as the weather is concerned, all is calm. And I I think we too need times of calm, times of stillness, when we can pay attention to ourselves, pay attention to one another, and pay attention to that which we hold to be divine. So may this morning be such a time for us all. May ours be a community where we can be ourselves, where we can bring all of who we are to this time now. So let's bring our troubles and our uncertainties, our excitements and our possibilities, our weariness, our busyness, however you are, whoever you are, wherever you are from and wherever you may be going, you are welcome here and now. Let's rest this morning in this peaceful space with times of singing and silence, with thoughts and prayers, all part of this great unknown that is life itself, here in community, one with another. Welcome. Welcome to you all. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome Kate Wyman to lead our worship today. Kate has long been a member of Brighton Unitarians and is now a ministry student at Harris Manchester College in Oxford. Thanks for being with us today, Kate. So let's just take a moment now to settle ourselves, to take a conscious breath, and to give thanks for this morning and this community. So let us begin this time of celebration and contemplation by lighting this flame, as is our custom, as a symbol of our free religious faith. We come seeking together inspiration and community. We come to rekindle our awareness of spirit and realign ourselves with that which we call divine. If you look at your order of service sheet now, you'll see that the title of this story is The Disappearing Rabbi. When I first saw it, I thought it was The Disappearing Rabbit. But it's something higher than a rabbit's burrow. And it said that there was once a really kind and compassionate rabbi who was in the habit of disappearing every single week on the eve of the Sabbath. And every week his congregation wondered where he had gone. Mm, Perhaps he is secretly meeting with God, they speculated, ascending the mountain like Moses before him. And of course, as it is with us humans, eventually their curiosity got the better of them. And one man from the congregation secretly disguised himself and followed their rabbi. And he found the rabbi 
disguised himself in peasant's clothing, helping an old and paralysed Gentile woman to clean her cottage and prepare a Sabbath meal. Now when the man who'd followed the rabbi returned to the congregation, the others asked him, tell us, where does our rabbi disappear to every single week? Does he indeed ascend the holy mountain as we thought? No, no, replied the man with a gentle smile. He goes much higher than that. That's the story of the disappearing rabbit. The second reading this morning comes from a 13th century French mystic who I only recently discovered called Marguerite de Porette. And this is an excerpt from her writings called The Mirror of Simple Souls. Love, by nobility, has made me compose the lines of this soul. It is about the pure deity of which reason cannot speak, and about a beloved friend I have who has no mother, who was born of God the Father and about God the Son also. His name is the Holy Spirit, for whom I have such a meeting place in my heart that it gives me joy to be led there. It is the land of green pastures that the beloved gives in love. I do not want to ask anything of him. Too much would be a great misfortune to me. Therefore, I must entrust myself completely. Words from the French mystic Marguerite de Porette. And I invite you now to enter a time of guided contemplation. So please do make yourselves comfortable. You might like to place your feet on the floor. Perhaps rest your hands in your lap with your eyes open or closed, however you feel most at ease. And you might like to start by taking one or two deep breaths in and out. And then just allow your breathing to settle. Simply be aware of it without trying to change it.
Now I invite you to imagine yourself in a beautiful place. Somewhere where you feel peaceful and safe. It might be somewhere real or somewhere imaginary. In a wood maybe, or a garden, by the sea, or on a mountain, anywhere where you feel closer to the divine. Try to make this place real in your imagination using all your senses. What do you see there? What are the shapes and contrasts and colours? And what can you hear in this place? Maybe there are sounds close by, or some distant sounds, wind in the trees perhaps. What can you touch or smell here? Can you feel any different textures? Maybe there's a smooth pebble or some rough ground. Maybe there's wet grass. Do you feel warm here or cool? And are there any scents of flowers or grasses or seaweed or anything that you notice? And in this beautiful place, this safe place, allow yourself to feel open to the presence of spirit or the divine or God, however you understand that. With you, in you, and around you.
We'll just take some moments of silence just to be in this place. Now gradually bring yourself back into the room. Become aware of the chair you're sitting on. You might want to just stretch a bit, open your eyes if you have them closed, and come back from wherever you've been. So on the order of service now you'll see that it is time for the address which this morning I'm going to give and the subject is on the need for spirit particularly I think for Unitarians. So yesterday after, is this close enough actually? We'll move it a bit closer. Wave if you can't hear me. Yesterday afternoon I, as I tend to do, something I like to do, I walked along Brighton seafront. I live in Brighton. But it was in the aftermath of a huge storm the previous night. I think generally in Brighton we have got off fairly lightly with the weather. It's rained but there hasn't been too much flooding. But the night before last there was an enormous storm and huge quantities of pebbles, seaweed and general debris had been washed up onto the promenade and in fact some of the many clubs and galleries and various knick-knack shops that exist along the seafront if you know Brighton you'll be familiar with that some of them had in fact been flooded and the sea was still wild with great white horses rolling in towards the land but at a safe distance now and looking very beautiful in the winter sunshine. And I think the sea is always a powerful reminder for me that there's a far greater force than us in the world. So what seems like way back now, I don't know if you can remember as far back as Boxing Day, when I think it was also raining even then, If you happen to have been listening to the radio in the morning, you might have heard not just one, but two Unitarian ministers taking part in BBC Radio 4's Today programme. And the reason was that Tim Berners-Lee, inventor of the World Wide Web, and probably the most famous contemporary Unitarian, was the guest editor of the programme that day, And he had specifically asked 
for a Unitarian to deliver the two-minute slot that happens at about 10 to 8, called Thought for the Day. And this was the first time ever a Unitarian had been invited to do that. But he had particularly asked for an atheist Unitarian minister, which, maybe not surprisingly, went against the BBC's religious policy. And so, instead, a Unitarian theist minister delivered that slot. But we got a second bite of the cherry because a Unitarian atheist minister offered an alternative version on the same programme. Now, I don't know whether any of you heard those, and it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm not going to particularly talk about what they said. They were both fine in their different ways. But it was the idea of it that left me wondering, what does it mean to be an atheist Unitarian minister? Or indeed, a theist Unitarian minister? Or, never mind whether they're ministers or not, just what does it mean to be an atheist Unitarian? Now we know, of course, that Unitarians across the country have a very wide range of beliefs. I have no doubt there's a similarly wide range of beliefs here in this room. We also know that many Unitarians don't believe in God, or at least have a very broad understanding of what God might be. And again, I imagine all of us here have our own thoughts about that. But atheism, since at least Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, seems, as far as I understand it, generally to be understood to mean more than just not believing in God. It seems to carry the idea of not believing in any kind of transcendent or spirit at all. I think that's the public perception, anyway, of what it means to say you're an atheist. So I wonder whether it makes sense to describe oneself as a Unitarian atheist. And I'm going to suggest this morning that it isn't, but please do feel free to disagree, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts over coffee if you have time. And these are my reasons why. Firstly, I think we're a denomination that stands squarely for freedom of conscience and inquiry. And the one thing we never preach is certainty. And I would suggest that atheism is a kind of certainty, even if certainty of unbelief rather than certainty of belief. So therefore, I think, although it's not impossible, it's difficult to be a tolerant, open-minded atheist. And secondly, and perhaps more controversially, I'm not sure whether we humans can, ultimately, make our lives meaningful by ourselves, without reference to anything beyond us. Of course, we can make events in our lives meaningful, and we can have meaningful relationships, and we can do meaningful work. And many of us, I'm sure, here work hard to achieve those things as best we can. But I wonder, can I make myself meaningful? Can you give meaning to your own existence? 
I don't think it's possible to do that, not without reference to something at least that's larger than all of us. And also through reference to something greater, something beyond us. Isn't that how we gain perspective and also humility? This morning, in a variety of ways, I would suggest that we have been reaching out and communing with something other than ourselves. We have prayed, we have meditated, we have chanted and sung hymns, we have listened to words that point towards something beyond, and we have sat in silence. We haven't tried to define exactly what that something other is or where it is but we have, I think, either actively or tacitly acknowledged some kind of yearning for its presence in our lives. As as Sarah told you, I'm a student at the moment and one of the joys of being a student is I get to read um, large textbooks and write essays. Um, And one that I've been required to read recently is by the Catholic philosopher Charles Taylor, a book that he wrote called A Secular Age and it's it's about 800 pages long and you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to be sharing very much of that with you but He does say, exclusive humanism, by which I think he means atheism, closes the transcendent window as though there were nothing beyond. More, as though it weren't a crying need of the human heart to open that window, gaze, and then go beyond. As though feeling this need were the result of a mistake, an erroneous worldview, bad conditioning, or worse, some pathology. And yet, as he points out, we live in an extraordinary moral culture measured against the norm of human history. Today, suffering and death through famine, flood, pestilence or war can awaken worldwide movements of sympathy and practical solidarity. Our age, he says, makes higher demands for solidarity and benevolence on us than ever before. Never before have people been asked to stretch out so far so consistently, so systematically, so as a matter of course to the stranger outside the gates. But he asks, how can we manage it? Well, we know that humans can be amazing and inspiring and capable of greatness. We know we can develop compassion uphold human rights and fight for justice, perhaps without any need for God or spirit. And yet, we also know that we're fragile, ephemeral, time-limited beings. 
We know we're not perfect. We have our own shadow side too. We can be, we are, sometimes selfish, vain, impatient, unkind. To me, atheism seems to suggest that we can somehow overcome these frailties by ourselves. Perhaps it's just a case of manning up and getting on with it. But Charles Taylor argues that this is unrealistic, it's a kind of bravado, and it can easily slip into disappointment, criticism, or even hatred of ourselves and others when we fail, up, fail to live up to the ever-increasing standards we set ourselves. And when we fall short of our goals, as we tend to do, from where then do we draw the strength to continue our struggles against oppression, for equal rights, against poverty? Of course, to some extent we do, we can, draw it from each other. But perhaps to draw only on each other feels somehow like sucking a closed system dry. Where is the fresh energy and the light coming from to sustain us? Of course, no one can prove there is a God or that there's any transcendent other at all. But the story we heard earlier that Sarah read about the disappearing rabbi suggests that living a truly loving and compassionate life is more than just a simply human endeavour. It's a kind of spiritual practice, a way of communing with God, and that this is how such work is sustained over the long haul. Margaret de Parette expressed something similar through her mystical verse when she talked of spirit for whom, she wrote, I have such a meeting place in my heart that it gives me joy to be led there. I think both these readings touch on the need for something quite opposite to bravado. They speak more about contemplation and surrender to a will greater than their own. The 20th century writer Thomas Merton also captured something of this contemplative, surrendered way of life when he wrote, It is enough to be in an ordinary human mode with one's hunger and sleep, one's cold and warmth, rising and going to bed, putting on blankets and taking them off, making coffee and drinking it, defrosting the refrigerator, reading, <coughs> meditating, Working, praying, I live as my fathers have lived on this earth until eventually I die. 
There is no need to make an assertion of my life, especially so about it as mine, though doubtless it's not somebody else's. But I must learn gradually to forget program and artifice. Now I know surrendering is not exactly a popular concept in our modern age. We're expected to be self-determining and individualistic. We're concerned, of course, with being authentic and true to ourselves. And we want to be active agents in the world, responsible for our choices and our actions. And of course, we can be all these things. But, as the recent weather has reminded us only too well, we can never be entirely in control. We can't even control the global forces we've unleashed ourselves, such as the economy, the internet or climate change, let alone those not of our making. Maybe an atheist uh, Unitarian might argue that in time, through our own efforts, through science and reason, we will be able to understand and control everything. But to me, anyway, it seems doubtful. Whereas if we consider that there may be a will or a consciousness or a force that's greater than us, then we have something that we can draw on to sustain us. Something we can invite in to provide nourishment, inspiration and perspective. We Unitarians, perhaps by definition, are an argumentative lot. And it's wonderful that we do debate our beliefs so vigorously. There's a place for everyone here. But I do hope, for all that, that we will continue to be a spiritual denomination in the widest sense of that word. that we will recognise the possibility and the value of transcendence in our lives without ever trying to pin down exactly what that is or how it works. And that we will both gain strength and also retain humility in the face of it. So be it. And we close with a blessing. May the road rise with you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rain fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of her hand.